you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited you're joining me today for another fantastic interview to help you take more ownership of your career, stop drifting, and take control of your future. And today's guest is Emily Milius. And I met Emily through a friend, and we hit it off right away. Uh, we were aligned on so many different things. And uh, she is a career coach. She also works with organizations doing consulting to help them create more fulfilling workplaces. And she works with um, people like you to create more fulfilling careers. She's really passionate about helping people find fulfillment. She's been coaching and consulting for over 14 years, uh, SHRM certified, certified with a lot of different uh, organizations. And her unique experience and expertise is uncovering how you naturally operate, uh, which I think is really cool because uh, so many people I talk to are thinking, yeah, I'd like to do something different. I don't really know what it is. I'm not really sure what my strengths or passions are. Uh, I think Emily can help you uncover that. I like to think that some of what she talks about in this interview will help you think through that. So get your notebook ready. Maybe have some blank space after this to listen and then write down some ideas about what you are passionate about, curious about in your career and where you might want to go next. And of course, if you want to reach out to Emily and work with her, uh, you can go to her website, which is Emily. Milius, E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-L-I-O-U-S.com. We will drop that in the show notes. And if you haven't read, uh, if you haven't yet read my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, that will also give you plenty of ideas to think about for your own career. You can get that now on Amazon or on our website where we also have several free bonus resources. Just go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus, and you can get all the free downloads. Or if you go to ownyourcareerownyourlife.com, you can also uh, find a link to buy the book as well. We've got some great things coming up, by the way. We are working on a new online course and a community to bring people together and work on their careers together on a regular basis. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming soon. Thank you again for listening. And without further ado, here is my interview with Emily Emilius on finding fulfillment in your career. Enjoy. All right, I'm here now with Emily Melius, who helps people create fulfilling careers and companies create fulfilling workplaces. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's great to be here. I know. So good to talk to you. We just did an interview for your show um, yes. about mothers of misfits, and uh, I'm not a mother, so I really appreciate you having me on the show. Um, and we were talking about some things that I think are highly relatable, uh, whether you're talking about parenting, entrepreneurship, or careers. And I know you are involved in all of those things, and you especially are focused on helping people find more fulfillment in their careers. What does that mean? Let's start with that. You know, when you talk about helping people find more fulfillment, uh, what does that even mean? What are people looking for? Yeah, I love that you're starting here because I I feel like fulfillment is a word we throw around a lot, and a lot of people come to me and say, "Gosh, I just want to find more fulfillment. I want a more fulfilling career." But the tricky part is, what does that mean? You know, how can we make that actionable or how do we know we've arrived? So I've been coaching and consulting for 14 going on 15 years now. And I uh, 
saw that people who were fulfilled in their careers and life were in roles that aligned with three things. And these three things actually line up with the three parts of our brains, but fulfillment requires alignment with our unique skills, passions, and talents. And it's not a majority wins. It has to be three out of three. And why I think so many people miss the mark and they might be successful, but they don't reach fulfillment is because society really focuses on, and I would say even over focuses on the skills and passions piece, but totally miss the talents piece, which is really sad because you get people who are very smart or very skilled at what they do. And maybe at one time we're very passionate about the industry or the work that they do. But if it doesn't align with how they naturally operate, then again, it all breaks down. But honestly, it is as simple as that. Although you and I both know that simple is not always easy. That is so true. So a lot of times people are thinking a lot about okay, what are my skills? What am I good at? Or, or what am I passionate about? People, you hear people say, follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people I know are really frustrated and confused by that, right? Because like, well, what if I don't have a passion? What if I don't know what that is, <laughs> yeah. right? And you're saying, if that's not necessarily the case for you, you know, think more about what are you talented at? What do you enjoy doing? Is that what you're saying? Well, right. So we've all heard do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And that's only part true. So the reverse is definitely true. If you don't love something, then it's not going to be fulfilling. So it works in that way, but just loving something, I'm sorry to say, isn't enough. I mean, we've all maybe experienced personally or seen someone who got into an industry because they were so passionate about something, but they they got in the wrong seat on the bus, so to speak. They got put in the wrong role. And not only did they lose their passion for it, but they might've actually become bitter about that thing that they once loved. I also talk a lot about passion fumes that you can't operate on passion fumes. You know, passion, passion is what gets us engaged. I love that Simon Sinek has us all tapping into our why, but that only takes us so far to go from resting to purposeful action. Yes. The first thing is we have to be motivated, which, which comes from our passions, but then we have to have freedom to do things in our own way. And that's the talent piece. And that word too kind of gets thrown around a lot and can be hard to pin down. But the way that I'm using it is in terms of our how. So if passions are our why and skills, think of that as your what, what you know. Your talents, your natural talents are how you instinctually take action and solve problems. And the the geeky term for this is conation or the conative part of the mind. And the leading researchers on this part of the brain are uh, located out in Arizona. It's called Colby Corp. And they have a sister company that focuses on our kids. And that's called Dynamind. And for anyone that's kind of interested in this, of course, they could, they could talk to me, but they can also check out the research that's being done. It's incredible. And I think for a lot of people, it's that aha moment because it's that missing link where again, you know, passions matter, skills matter, but they're not enough because if we are force fitting our efforts every day at work or for our kids, if they're force fitting their efforts every day at school, it just doesn't work. We, we can't have enough passion or skills to overcome 
a lack of freedom to operate in the way that comes most naturally for us. What if you have a passion, uh, an excitement for an area, but you're really, you don't necessarily have the talent, right? You're, you maybe not that talented. Is that something we should be like, Hey, we need to really try to get better at it or cut bait and go somewhere else. And the flip side is what if you find that you're really talented at something, but eh, you're really just not that passionate. You're not that excited about it. Well, a couple of things. First, I, I say all of the time, passions will get you in the right industry, but they don't get you into the right job. But to say it another way, for every passion, there's a lot of options within that industry, within that umbrella of things. So there's usually somewhere you can plug into in, inside of your passion arena, if you will, that honors your talents, your way of operating, your way of getting things done. So for example, a CFO and a CEO might be similarly passionate about business. They might both even have an MBA. But as we all know, the day-to-day the -day job of the CFO versus the CEO is very different. And the talents that are required, not just skills, but how those roles are performed are very different. So again, both of those individuals may have started this, at the same place of, of, I love business, I love all things business, but where they found their seat on that bus was different. The other thing I'll say is, we have limited mental energy. So we always have to make decisions, sometimes tough ones, about where to spend it. And you know that's a constant evaluation we're going through, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. But I always kind of laugh, and, and this is coming from, admittedly, I'm like a type AAA personality control freak kind of person and often believe I can do everything. So yeah. um, I, I'm probably the the worst offender of this, but I think just in, in general, the American mindset and, and maybe just, you know, my fellow type, type A friends, there's this belief of like, we can all be the energizer bunnies, right? We just, there's this sense of, we have boundless mental energy and it's just not physically true. Our mental energy is limited much like our physical energy. And I have never, unfortunately, been gifted as an athlete, but I have watched marathons. I have not run them personally, but I have watched marathons. And I'm sure for those listening, if you've ever run in one or you, you've seen, you know, the picture of the finish line. And what happens is people are finally getting across the finish line and they are falling over the ribbon or, you know, getting as getting to the curb as quickly as possible and sitting down and getting water and they feel great, but they're spent and no amount of wanting to run another race in that moment, or even having trained to run another race in that moment will allow them to, because their physical energy is, is run dry and they mm. have to rest before they can run another marathon. And that might seem really obvious as I give that example from a physical energy perspective, I really have to challenge myself and the people I coach and I challenge listeners to think every day, how many times do you feel like you can run mental marathons back to back? And we just can't. And if you don't make that decision for yourself, your brain's going to make the decision for you. That's called burnout, where your brain just says, I'm done. I'm sitting on the curb. And I will warn everyone that 
when our brain makes our decisions on our behalf in that way, burnout, it's usually not the way we would like it to happen. <laughs> so it's much better to take the rests in between and to be intentional about that. And to your original question, yeah, there are some things we're passionate about that we'll never get to. That's okay. There are some things that we have talents in that we can't pursue. That's okay. It's more about find the alignment of skills, passions, and talents. Where, do, where does your what, your why, and your how, where do those meet? And spend intentional time doing those things and then spend intentional time resting. So we don't want to sacrifice on the alignment. Um, and we also can't be all things to all people because when you do that, you're not anything to anyone. Yeah, I like that. Um, we do need the breaks and we need to really be thoughtful about what we're pursuing and how much time we're spending on it. Um, while we're on this topic of following your passion, uh, and I know there's been resistance to that by some people, and what I'm hearing as the alternative from a lot of people now is follow your curiosity. So maybe you may not have a true passion or a why, or you haven't figured it out yet, um, but you might be curious about certain things and uh, you're still fairly early in your career that you feel like you, hopefully you feel like you can take the time to maybe go explore those. Um, how do you feel about that new mantra? That's interesting. I hadn't heard that one before. I know what I talk a lot about is just releasing this pressure or expectation to have a passion for life. Now, I think we sometimes equate it almost with that sense of calling. You know, I only get one passion and I don't know what that is. And, you know, I feel lost until I find it, capital I. And that's just not true. That part of our brain that creates passion changes. It's not fixed. It evolves. I mean, gosh, think about it. If we all picked our careers when we were five-year-olds and you and I both have a five-year-old, there'd be a lot more ballerinas and, and construction workers in the world, right? So our passions change since we were five years old and our passions continue to change. So I think first it's just releasing this idea that it is, you know, singular capital P passion. We get to have passions. And that I think just is a game changer because the, the question shifts from what is the one thing to what am I excited about right now? And I think that kind of plays into that sense of curiosity, but I think it's just a matter of, just ask yourself, what am I passionate about right now? What am I curious about right now? And it's okay, in fact, it's natural, it's normal, it's healthy for that, uh, the answer to that question to change two years from now, maybe even two months from now, that's okay. But that's also why we don't make all of our major life and career decisions just on passion alone, right. because it's not, if it changes, it's when it changes. And that's why we really have to ground our passions with this sense of, okay, am I Am I acting on those passions in a way that comes most naturally to me? Am I getting in the right role? Am I doing the right things? Do I have freedom to do it in my way, solve problems in the way that comes most naturally? And am I honoring my skills and capabilities? Um, or am I solving for the ones that I don't have? So we really, that's why, you know, we started this conversation talking about it's a package deal. You got to have it all, but it's okay to feel different emotions to be motivated, motivated by different things tomorrow than you do today. Right. Yeah. I know it's definitely changed for me over my career. My passions have changed. My values, my goals have really changed. Uh, what I truly care about and what my mission is 
um, as well as I've gotten more clarity as time has gone on and I'm more confident in where I'm going, what I'm doing. And I think that tends to happen. What do you say to people, Emily, who are, you know, in a career, but maybe not that happy or fulfilled right now and thinking about making a change, don't really know what to do or where to go. Like, how do you guide them? What's the, the next thing they should be doing? I'll say it's an internal process before it's an external one. And the toughest things about being in that space in life and being in career transitions in particular is the first thing to go is your confidence. Those kinds of life transitions rob us of confidence. And it makes it really hard to navigate that transition successfully. And what I see people do is in the absence of confidence in that situation, they look for a lot of external cues. Um, you know, I, I don't know what job I should be in. So what pays really well? What does my friend say I should do? What does the market say is the right thing to do right now? Uh, I, I, I have a, a degree in this. Maybe that's what I should do. And it really just puts them in more of a tailspin of getting deeper and deeper into being lost and confused. So the very first thing anybody should do, whether you even feel you have high confidence or low confidence or somewhere in between, is start with the internal. You are your own best advocate. And if you don't have the clarity or self-awareness to advocate for yourself, no one else can. So it really starts with understanding what are your unique skills, passions, and talents. If that's something that any of us struggle to articulate, we're going to keep getting stuck. And, you know, do we have the language for that? Do we have the clarity to know what our strengths are and then know where those fit in? When we start with that internal process, and, and I get it, sometimes it can get frustrating. It can feel like, gosh, I've got to make these decisions. I got to make a move and I don't have time to, you know, take an assessment or learn about myself. But that really um, is the, the friction filled path. That's going to be the, the least efficient path. If you can get crazy clear is what I say all the time, but crazy clear on who you are and where you fit in. And then you can articulate that. That's what is necessary to make that transition successful. Because when you're clear on, on who you are and where you provide the most value, you become instantly attractive to the job market. If you're lost and, uh, you know, again, another temptation of job seekers is I'll be what you want me to be. You know, can you do this job? Sure. Can you do this job? Sure. I'll, I'll be that. Right. I'll apply to everything. I'll be anything they want me to be. And that's like really unattractive. Right. And I mean, talking about attraction, even if we think about romantic relationships, right. And our own experiences and the person who was really confident in, in who they were and knew what they wanted for themselves tended to be the more attractive person. The person that was like hanging around and didn't know themselves well and, um, you know, really, really desperate, Ugh, you know, nobody, nobody was, you know, that was an, in, an interesting relationship. So the same kind of basic laws apply to being attractive in the job market. And it just comes back to the internal before you go to the external. Yeah, I love that getting more clarity on who you are and the value you bring and where you want to go. And that builds that confidence to go out there and have more of those conversations. And 
um, be clear about what you, what you bring to organizations. It's going to be helpful in getting that next job. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, speaking of organizations, the flip side of this, I know you also work with organizations uh, to help them create more fulfilling workplaces. So what's the responsibility of the organization to create a workplace where people are more fulfilled? Yeah, and I know that that might create a little bit of an eye roll, right? You know, oh, that sounds well and fine, but, you know, really, are we as a company really there to create fulfillment for our employees? And I would say a thousand percent yes, because when your employees are unfulfilled, they are less engaged, less productive, and less efficient. So who wants that? right? You know, I, I don't think fulfillment at work is a luxury. It's a necessity, but we, we all have our part to play, right? Like you just said, and that's why I work both sides of the equation. I was watching a documentary. I, I have no idea how it came on TV, but I'm kind of glad it, it did because it was pretty fun. A couple of weeks ago, my husband and I were watching the documentary of how they built the, the railroad across the U.S. and it was fascinating to see. And of course, so many things they got away with back then they could never do now with uh, our safety rules, which is a good thing. But something that really struck me was when they needed to go through a mountain to lay the track, they would have crews on either side of the mountain that would bore through, you know, a hole, a tunnel through, and they would meet in the middle. And I thought, wow, that's, that is exactly the picture of what we're doing here, which is Equipping individual professionals with that self-awareness, with that understanding what is the fulfillment formula. Okay, it's those three things. Those are non-negotiables. I have to find roles that I that align with those three things about me. And equipping individuals to be their own best advocates, but also helping organizations put people into the right roles, the ones that align with their skills, passions, and talents. And creating cultures that produce high engagement, high productivity, and high efficiency. So there's a responsibility on both sides, but it's it's absolutely a win-win. You know, I think uh, sometimes we we fall into a trap of thinking that it's a it has to be win-lose. You know, if a company wins, then the employees lose, or if the employees win, then the company loses. Uh, and I think in in past generations that might have very well been true, but I really don't think that it's it's like that anymore. I think there's absolutely a win-win and it's found in fulfilling work and fulfilling workplaces. Mm. So people can do a lot to get clarity on who they are and what they want and where they want to go. And hopefully you find a good organization that is creating a workplace that provides meaningful work and uh, more fulfilling work or a more fulfilling culture or workplace um, let's just finish there for for organizations, companies that want to meet their people in the middle and create a, a, a better culture and a more fulfilling workplace. What's a couple more keys that, you know, things they should be yeah, thinking about? Well, it starts in hiring. You know, if you get the right people in the right roles to start with, then downstream from that, you know, it all it all becomes easier. Where we find a lot of tough stuff and messes, frankly, to clean up. Uh, it's usually when it, it started in the hiring where the wrong people got in the wrong places for the wrong expectations. And, and, and that's why hiring well is so important. 
making sure that we're hiring on actual predictive and reliable and valid measures, which Andy is a conversation for a whole other day and I'm happy to have it, but there's a lot of assessments out there and they are not all created equal. And even amongst those that are intended for use in hiring and EEOC compliant, there is a big difference in terms of the reliability and validity of those instruments, which really just mean their accuracy and value over time. So we got to make sure that we as either HR professionals or company leaders or managers that we're making a really good decision at that starting point and setting everybody up for not just success, but fulfillment. And it makes everything else down the road a lot easier. The development becomes easier. The culture is a lot easier. I mean, think about it. You know, I know a lot of times we put the onus of culture on the organization, but it's impacted by the people that are in the organization. So Again, if you have a lot of people who are totally unfulfilled in their work, they're probably coming to work feeling unhappy or frustrated or annoyed, and that becomes a culture. Whereas if people come to work every day and think, gosh, I love this job. It's, it's what I'm passionate about. I'm free to solve problems my own way. You know, no one's pushing or pulling me to do things a certain way that doesn't come naturally. This really honors my skills, experience, and training. You're going to get an energy. You're going to get a positivity, you're going to get a, an attractive workplace. So it, it just, I mean, if you get hiring right, I think that's 95% of the battle, to be honest. Yeah, I, that makes complete sense. And I love that there are a lot of companies that are really thinking about that and doing the right things to create a great culture. And, you know, going back to you as the individual, if you're listening, uh, thinking about your own career and where you want to work, you want to obviously focus in on your skills, your passions, your curiosity, what you're interested in, what you want to do. And then when you're looking at companies to work for, hopefully you find one with a great culture that is very interested in uh, developing people, right? Giving them growth opportunities and creating that fulfilling workplace and culture. And uh, if your company is not doing a very good job of that, of course, it's always great to get help. Uh, maybe you might want to reach out to Emily uh, or someone else to help with that as well. So Emily, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all this. For anybody that does want to come work with you or maybe just get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so uh, for professionals who are looking to create a more fulfilling career in life, they can go to emilymelius.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-L-I-O-U-S, emilymelius.com. And we've got lots of free resources there, a free three-minute training that they can check out that overviews the fulfillment formula. They also get two bonus worksheets. So be sure to go there. For companies that really resonate with creating those fulfilling workplaces, they can check out our consulting company, which is at launchconsulting.io, launchconsulting.io. And there's also some freebies there too. So, or check out both, especially if you, you are a leader in the company and you, you want to create a, a great fulfilling workplace, but you also want a fulfilling career for yourself and you can have your cake and eat it too. Yes. I love that. And happiness and fulfillment is important. You know, success is not just about making money or titles or what your friends think. It's really, are you happy with your life and your career? Or do you feel fulfilled? And you get to choose that and you get to decide. And if you aren't, and then maybe it's time to make some changes. And if you want to make some changes, don't try to do it all alone. Hire a coach, hire someone like Emily 
uh, to help you along with that. I have found a lot of success from hiring coaches and joining mastermind groups and membership communities. And I will continue to join those and start those and run those because I think it's so, so powerful. So Emily, thank you again for coming on. It's been awesome talking to you and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Thanks so much.